0: If you're experiencing any level of marketing challenge right now, you've got to ask the hard questions and you need answers. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your future students? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience and future students will respond to? And are you spending more time building reporting than listening in on what your students really want? All of these questions will get answered when you sign up for your free consultation with MDT Marketing. Head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, and talk to MDT. Don't go it alone. Find the right partner. The guys at MDT, the team at MDT is absolutely amazing, whether your challenge is the cost of inquiries, your melt, your branding, the bad and incomplete information that come with your inquiries, whatever it is, an audit of your challenges will help your institution and it's free. mdtmarketing.com slash edup. Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Leiba, and producer Elvin Freitas bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education. Today, we explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now, let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education and beyond. My name is Dr. Joe Salustio. Do you like, Liz, that, uh, by the way, always with me by my side, I always say that, the amazing one. Liz, how are you today?
1: The amazing one. I love that. I, I, I love that there's no Liz Liba. There's no. It, it's just Liz because I'm so well known. I'm like Madonna or sure. Beyonce that I have no last name.
0: Not only are you well known, you're changing <laughs> um, the game of social Aww. justice with what you're doing. You now Thank have, you. and we have a scholarship.
1: Yes, we do. Called the
0: Elizabeth Lyba Edup Experienced Scholarship for yes. Black women to either uh, begin their educational journey or stay in their educational journey at Spelman College, right?
1: Absolutely, we're super excited about that. I'm still overwhelmed because this has been like something we talked about and then we just made it happen. And I'm excited for what we're gonna be able to do to change lives, that's what it's all
0: about. We were, we were uh, lo- very, very lucky uh, to have some amazing supporters at the Edup Experience. One of our, one of our supporters uh, who will remain nameless uh, we we scratch together, Liz, as you know, we and when I say scratch together, I really mean it. We scratched literally scratch. <laughs> literally together. scratched together. I was like, yeah, there's a quarter I found on the ground. There's a penny. <laughs> we literally scratched together like this very, very small pot of money. And we thought, you know what, we're just gonna make a donation. Um to Spellman, you know, mm-hmm. help help a black woman stay in college if she hits um, some kind of adversity of some kind. Excellent. Really just try to give back. Mm-hmm. So we go out and, and we sent an email to this supporter of the Oedip Experience who came back and said, I'll see your little tiny little bit of an amount that you put together. And I'm going to also help you with this very large amount. And so we were able to make a $25,000 total donation uh, mm-hmm. to Spelman College for the Elizabeth Live Edip Experience Scholarship. So congratulations, your name's on it. You better not fail, Liz.
1: Um, (laughs) No pressure. You better not fail. And thank you. And thank all of our supporters for listening. And thank our supporter for donating. This has been amazing. And we're so excited to be able to make a difference here at Spelman. So, yeah,
0: for sure. Well, speaking of excited, we're very excited uh, for our guest today. Uh, She has a lot to say. Needless to say, I I would think she's been very busy over the last year. Mm -hmm. Her name is Melissa Lobel, and she's the Chief Customer Experience Officer at Instructure. Melissa, how are you doing?
2: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I almost lost my voice there for a second, but I got it back. Uh, We'll we'll, we'll make sure it doesn't go away again. We're very excited to have you. You've been very busy, I am sure. Uh, Instructure uh, owns Canvas, correct?
2: Correct. We sure do.
0: And Canvas is, well, I'd say that the majority of higher ed institutions are, because I think Canvas is the biggest LMS out there. uh, Familiar with Canvas, learning management system, everybody's using it. If you're not using it, uh, you probably are now with the shift to online learning. How has it been for you lately, Melissa? I'm going to say lately. I'm going to just ask you over the last year, starting today, looking back a year, what has it been like for you and what kind of wild ride have you been on?
2: Yeah, wild ride is a great way to describe that. Um, this last year has been uh, an incredible experience from all sorts of perspectives, but but most importantly, it's been really exciting to see so many schools um, and so many folks just getting online to continue to support learning when the world has been been quite challenged in in how we interact with one another. So it's it's been a wild ride. We've seen huge growth and in um all of our all of our areas and where we support customers and are excited to see them do really innovative and new things with online learning that uh that this last year has has encouraged them to try.
0: Yeah, you know, speaking of people doing new and innovative things, I don't know if you've met me before Melissa, but I do those. And then somebody who's challenged my co-host Liz, uh, no, I don't really mean that, Liz, um, if you're listening, are you listening or are you on mute?
1: I technologically uh, challenged by no, no, sorry, see, putting no, my
0: microphone on mute there. I would like to state that I was going to make a, a comment about you being technologically challenged, oh. which is why I did that huge buildup. And every time I do this, you pay it off. Completely. Fumble. You fumble completely and Total prove fumble. me right every time. But uh, M- Melissa, you know, uh, instructional designers have been very excited. We have a few instructional designers, Liz being one, uh, Holly Owens, the host of our EdUp ed EdTech podcast, they just are excited to talk about all the innovations and uh, uh, changes that have happened within Canvas and other learning management systems, but particularly Canvas. You're the chief customer experience officer. Who is your customer? Is this the student? Is it the institution? Is it the EdTech community? Talk to me about the definition of the, the customer experience uh, from your point of view.
2: Yeah, sure. You know, I, I've been in higher education and in educational technology for, for a long time. And I think that that answer has changed over time. Um, years ago, uh, early in my career, when I was leading a, an ed, ed tech team, transitioning a, a full time face to face program to a part time program that was partially online, I would have said the customer was the institution because the institution was trying to deliver. Uh, a very specific learning experience to their students and 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 trying to innovate on that and and expand how they reach their students. But then, if you've as we moved forward over those years, I think it became the teacher in a lot of ways or the instructor or faculty member because they really were looking to augment their classes and experiment with their classes and and try to deliver a better learning experience. And now fast forward to this year, even last year, I would almost say the student is, is the customer because the student is the one now Trying to build their own learning journey using all of the technologies and all of the resources that their institutions are providing them. So, so I think it's evolved who that, who that customer is. And I, you know, honestly, for Instructure, the customer is all of the above it's the institution, it's the faculty members, it's the staff, it's the instructional designers, it's the students. We're trying to make sure that we can create the right kind of platform that enables everyone to do their work and to do it well.
0: Yeah, that, that uh, it sounds hard. It sounds that, uh, you know, your job sounds hard. You make it sound really easy, but I'm sure it's hard because you have to manage all these different stakeholder perspectives, right? Uh, needs, right? Because user experience and customer experience is going to be different from the perspective of the stakeholder, from their point of view. How do you balance all that? How, how, how do you create a system that balances the experience for each of those stakeholders?
2: Yeah, and, and you're so right. It, it sounds easy in, in uh, broad strokes, but it is really difficult because oftentimes those needs are, are conflicting with one another um, or where you put your focus. Of course, we want to build everything we can as quickly as we can, but how do we prioritize what we build and, and where we innovate? So I'll give you a, a good example. I think we shift, um, at least in the structure we do, on where we focus depending on... What's happening in the world what's happening with institutions What trends are we seeing so last year was was a a very specific shift for us to students first and I would say faculty second. And in that shift it was because we realized that everyone's coming online quickly and the most important thing at the end of the day is for people to still be able to learn, so we looked at. Uh, usability for students, how easy was it to, to go complete an assignment, for example, how easy is it or how effective is it to discuss a topic in your class with your colleagues. Um, so we, we, we focused that we also focused a lot on ensuring canvas was up and reliable and 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 fast for students in their learning experience because we know they'll quickly get frustrated uh, if they have to wait for something or something's not responsive in the way they prefer. So we really put them first um, over this last year and then faculty came came quickly after that. How are we making sure building courses and, and designing learning experiences was a positive experience for faculty, an easy experience for faculty, and one that was effective um, back to that student in making sure they had great learning opportunities. So so I think it's a give and take. You have to decide when and where to focus on whom, how fast you move on those. And then if you can find the holy grail, if I'll call it that, um, of the type of features and capabilities that you need to build that are, uh, that positively affect all of your users, You've really won there, uh, and you know I think those are sometimes few and far between. But we certainly look for those and and look for that uh, two for, or three for, or four for win as we prioritize how we build build our technology.
0: I want to ask you, and then I'll pass it to you, Liz, because I know you're chopping at the bit here. One of the things that we've asked a lot of presidents about, We've, uh, uh, anybody who's really been a guest that's worked for our college or university, we, we asked, how has the pandemic affected your operations? What is enrollment looking like? Is it up, is it down, is it left, is it right? What's, how has this affected mental health services? Lots of questions in there about the operations. I, am, I would be fascinated to know though, how your uh, uh, business was affected by the surge to online learning and were you prepared Was Instructure prepared, was Canvas prepared for the number, the sheer number of clients that were looking then, and I say institutional clients, looking at the LMS at that point, going, we're moving online, we need Canvas, we need it now, we need it yesterday, our students are falling off the map, we need to get them online as soon as possible. Was was your business really prepared for that surge uh, that took place, and and how did everybody react?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure anybody was fully prepared. Uh, I'm not sure if we're even prepared today. (laughs) Uh, But in saying all of that, we had some real strengths going for us at Instructure, one being the way we built Canvas. Um, First and foremost, uptime was critical. And we were able to ensure that our customers had consistent access to Canvas and and strong, reliable um, connection to Canvas. So, So that we got, you know, we had built our platform on that from the very beginning and boy was it tested and it, and it, it passed that test with flying colors. Um, in other areas of our business, the volume. So, so I'll give you an example. Uh, if you look at March of 2020, we had about 2.2 million concurrent users. Um, and that gives you just, that's not overall usage. That just gives you a sense of those people all logging into our system at the same time. We peaked at around 6 million in the fall of 2022. So that's a big chunk of concurrency that we had never experienced before. And, and once again, the way we built our platform and our structure, we did well from a reliability and an uptime and, a, and an access perspective. You know, Where we had to move quickly, quite frankly, was in our support area, for example. And that's one of the parts of the organization that I lead. Um, you know, You bring all of those users on super fast Everybody scrambling to support those users, especially if they've never used an LMS before. So we had to hire fast. Um, Luckily, we we got ahead of that in April. We saw what was coming, um, but we had to hire fast. We had to train fast. We had to rally the entire company around our customers because they were all making really profound shifts certainly in the spring, but definitely in the fall. And that's where we had to shift how we, how we do our business a bit. Um, we had to think about the kinds of technologies that we use to support our customers. We had to think about how do we connect with our customers. Um, and we certainly made some pretty, pretty good improvements, I would say in that area, but were we prepared fully? Probably not for that volume, but we got prepared really quickly and we brought our, our customers along for the ride on that. Um, and we're still learning from from how our users are using our system and where they're using our system and and what they expect from Canvas and our systems.
0: Expectations and reality are two things that have to balance out, that's for sure, right, Liz?
2: Yeah, and I'm so
1: curious about that because as an online instructor, and, and you've worked in the, in the sector as well, Joe, for quite some time.
0: Not as long as you, though. Not quite as
1: long as me, you know, because I it's been when well, I was you've been in
0: the sector for I mean just I was gonna a say tremendous amount of time.
1: <laughs> when I first started teaching, we were writing on the cave walls. That's how we were able to oh communicate gosh, that, with
0: the students. Exactly.
1: So it's been quite a minute, but I have found over time that students' expectations have definitely changed. A lot of the you know the Netflix, the Amazon are everything instant, social media has changed what students expectations are. So can you speak a little bit, Melissa, to some of the coaching that you've done in terms of working with the institutions that you support and how they have been able to manage student expectations, ramp up student support, think of ways or, or how are some of the, the uh, infrastructure and some of the, uh, the support mechanisms that you have at Instructure, how are you able to Make sure that students needs are met in the most timely fashion, because I think with students, like you said, if it's not instant, a lot of the time they just they don't want to wait, they don't want to deal with it. So how do we balance that with the, the needs of the platform and making sure that the students needs are met fully.
2: I love that question. I'm, I'm so glad, so glad you asked that question. Um, I, I've taught online now for gosh, it's at least 25 years. That's crazy. Now I'm dating myself. Oh. I know. Go oh, of- online instructors. A, Ooh, online instructors unite. That's about a
0: quarter right. of the time Liz has been teaching. <laughs>
2: a quarter of the time. That would make me like 150 years.
0: Oh, sorry. My mouth is off on that one. <laughs>
2: oh. Gosh, sometimes it feels like that though, and I've actually never. What's random side fact about my teaching? I've never taught in person. I've only ever taught online. So um, that is very
1: interesting. That is very interesting. How do you how do you balance that with your perspective as far as? And now we're going kind of totally. I'm always so fascinated by meeting other people that teach online. Do you think it frames how you look at the platform and, and your your ability to determine what's needed by the students? Do you think it's framed by the fact that you've only looked at that through that lens? I think, and, and, I, and the reason I ask that is because I think sometimes, and this is not to put down instructors that teach face-to-face, but I think sometimes their ability to really empathize with the student is framed by the idea that they're like, well, this is what we do in the classroom. So they almost feel as though online is, an aside, so they don't tend to look at things through the perspective of online learning. So do you feel that that's been a benefit that you really have never been in the classroom? So the online learning platform and the classroom, that's your total frame of reference, which I think is actually really awesome.
2: Yeah, thank you. And I, you know, so that's really interesting. I think so. It it actually, I approach how I think about building a learning experience different because i've only ever taught online so things like so the expectation question um is what made me think of this and to share this um you have to be so much more explicit online about your expectations with students you you, if you don't declare them they will always Assume or create their own expectations, and you will never meet them. Um, you have to. You have to at least declare them, and oftentimes come to a pact with your students. This is what you can you can expect from me and from my class. That's one of those things that I just I've always thought about that. And I think if I went into a classroom face to face, I may you know had I started there, I may not have thought about teaching in that same way, about being very very um, affirmative and very clear about what someone should expect. I also, um, I tend to build courses and I tend to coach others. And this feeds into the other question about how we coached institutions. Um, I, I tend to, to coach other teachers, other institutions. Not only do you need to be really clear with expectations with your students so they understand and can meet you where, where they need to meet you in their learning experience. You need to be very clear about why you're doing what you're doing in your course. So with every activity I do, I not only say this is what I'm expecting of you in my class, but I say this is why I'm having you do it and this is how it's it's part of your larger learning journey either in my class or in the program that I'm teaching in or whatever it might be. So I think there are things that because you are at a distance, um, if you've done it and you've been exposed to it, you have to you have to focus or, or, or emphasize more in an online space and we've been trying to surface those to teachers to institutions um, over this last year, especially those that have never taught online before because it's it, there are ways to um, in this, instant society, there are ways to help diffuse that with students. So I'll give you an example, and and I encourage others to do this too. Um, I'm really clear about when I will respond and to what I will respond to in my course. So um, my courses are are usually heavily discussion-based, and I'm really clear with my students. You won't hear from me until a couple days into the discussion, and that's deliberate. I want you to build that conversation because not only do you need skills around this the subject area that I'm teaching, but you need skills on how to to foster a conversation when you go off into the workplace or in your current workplace. You need to be able to conduct online exchanges effectively. That's just the where the world is. And this gives you a chance to do it. And if I'm in there curating you every step of the way, you're not going to have that opportunity to build those own skills and test these things out. And where, where is a better place than an the class to experiment with those skills you're going to use later in life so so we try to bring those to 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 surface with our our institutions and we also help them understand it's okay to fail and you should expose that with your students because they can learn from that and and if i can tell one super quick story i had a a a faculty member who teaches physics tell me that um, in his 40 years of teaching physics and he's, he's he's just about to retire he said he um he could never get, he always had a population of students that were determined to be perfect in everything they did. And it would stress them out and it actually backfired on their ability to build skills. And in this last year, because they watched him make, make mistakes in this course, he couldn't figure out how to use Zoom, for example, or you know, he stumbled on how to set up a quiz. Because they saw those mistakes, he finally got his students to make mistakes and they actually learned more through those mistakes that they were making. So it's things like that that I think we can surface um, and we try very much to surface to, to teachers and institutions doing this for the first time or trying to make this better in this you know, new world of online learning.
0: Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your audience? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience responds to? Are you spending more time building reports than listening in on what your audience wants? These are not easy questions to answer. That's why our great friends at MDT Marketing are offering a free audit of your marketing efforts. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com slash edup and submit your information for your free consultation today. Look guys, you got nothing to lose. It's free. I don't know why you wouldn't want a free audit to tell you what you're doing, whether it's effective, and how you can make some incremental changes that can make a big difference moving forward. That's www.mdtmarketing.com edup.
1: So glad. I want to turn it back over to Joe, but I'm so glad you gave that as an example, because I think it's really a metaphor for what we're all dealing with now, right? When we're all pivoting to online, we're trying to figure things out. We're dealing with so many circumstances around the country and health and civil rights and civil justice, uh, civil unrest. And we don't have to get it right the first time that we're working through things and we have to give each other grace. And I think that idea of being vulnerable is something that higher ed has somewhat been lacking a little bit. And we've really had to come to terms with the idea that you can be vulnerable. You don't have to have all the answers. You can work through things with your students. Like you said, giving them space so that they can create knowledge as well. Like we don't have to have all the answers. This whole idea, this outdated idea of sage on the stage doesn't really translate for this generation of students. They wanna get in there and they want to be able to see that you can, I I, I apologize to my students all the time. that let's try something different, that's not gonna work, but we're gonna do it this way this next time and we'll, we'll work through it together. And I think students appreciate that. They are of a different generation where they don't expect us just to stand. And also what you said was very key in the very beginning in that we also have to relate the purpose of what we're doing. I think another thing that doesn't necessarily resonate with this, journey, uh, this demographic of this generation of students, I have a 22 year old that's in college. So a lot of that I'm witnessing with her as well is that they want to not just do things for the sake of doing them. They want to understand, okay, I'm doing this. Why am I doing this? What does this relate to? How is this going to help me? So the fact that you're talking about these things in your own classroom and also relating a lot of those lessons to the institutions that you're working with, I think is so valuable because a lot of this is going to help us to reimagine how we deliver the learning experience to the students. So I thank you for addressing those.
0: I want to geek out just for a second, Melissa, because you Uh, you bringing up, I did, my dissertation work was on the psychological contract that's Mm. created in an online environment, Mm. especially in an online environment, because you, you aren't there in person, right? You can't go to your um, faculty member and walk down the stairs of this large lecture hall and say, Hey, I, you you didn't give me my grade, or you didn't do this. And, you know, I'm going to stand by your office while you grade it in, in an online environment, the concept of a psychological contract is really valid, right? You, what are the expectations that you, what are the expectations? What are you gonna do as a faculty member, right? You're talking about that. I'm very clear with my students on what I'm gonna do. What are the expectations of the student? Those should be very clear expectations as well. And if everybody delivers, then you have a strong psychological contract, but if there's a breach in that delivery somehow, AKA faculty member, isn't grading on time, right? I think that's the one of the most common things that you see from f- adjunct faculty across the nation is the grades aren't coming in on time or things are being processed on time. And the student says, oh, you know, I'm complaining now. My grades aren't coming in. Oh, this is terrible. I can't do this anymore. I transfer it to another institution. Like all that, that breach of the psychological contract creates so many consequences, both positive and negative. I want to just stay on that for a minute, because when you're in an online environment and you're working inside an LMS, part of customer delivery for, depending on your customers, in this case, it's the faculty or the person who's teaching, is to create the opportunity for them to deliver those expectations, whether it's through chat, whether it's through email, whether it's through technology connectors and plugins and There's all different ways that you can deliver your expectations, right? So how do you work through that at Canva? How do you go, okay, do do you sit in a room and say, here's my faculty advisory board? Here's my student advisory board. What do you want to see from it? Do you have people come and test it sit in a room and try to use these features? Talk to me about that innovation experience and how you create those moments for change.
2: Yeah. Oh, and I, oh, I love that you called them moments for change and I'm enjoying this geeky now. Thank you. This is, um, this is exciting because this is how we can take what's happened over the last year and what's happened the 20 years before that online and, and, and have the impact. I think that we all want to have And this can and continue this innovation you're talking about. So, so how do we do this? How do we, how do we connect and make sure that we're delivering expectations on our side. We're delivering what our faculty, our institutions, and our students are expecting from us, from our platforms. And it's a it's a multi-step process for us. And, and we believe we have to go out proactively and get feedback. And we also believe we need to be open to feedback. And that's back to the, I love that you used vulnerable, Liz. That's such a good good way to think about this so so let me start with the the being vulnerable and having people reach out to us so it's critical to us that any person that you talk uh, talk to about canvas from instructor and um, is always in listening mode in a very active listening mode and unpacks what things are being shared so if a if a we hear from a, a faculty member your quizzing tool just isn't um, effective. I cannot do my math quizzes in your quizzing tool. It's not about oh well I'm sorry, what features do you want but it becomes about talk to me about how you're using quizzes in your class. Let me understand what you're trying to accomplish okay and then the next step is well what parts of what you're trying to accomplish or or, or would you would you like to change or what parts of it are are you not able to do using online technology as a whole or in your current setting And then you, you start to pull out, what it is because you need to focus on what the user experience or the user story is as opposed to what is it that people wish your system to do. Um, because oftentimes people will wish a system to do something that's actually not what they really want. They want something different or better. They just don't know how to, to translate that into what it would be in a system. So we have to be open to that. We have to be active listeners. And we have to always be vulnerable. We have to say, okay, we know Canvas isn't perfect. And we all know that. And Canvas doesn't do everything that everyone wants it to do. But how do we take that feedback in in an accepting way and 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 then... Um, generate that through our organization so that it it is, it is part of our larger strategy building. Meanwhile, we're going out proactively. We talk to individual customers on a regular basis. In fact, I'm just about to kick off a customer listening tour. Um, we do these on a regular basis where we go out and we ask customers open-ended but specific questions um, that can get at what it is in a particular area. Is it Is it assessments? And we're trying to understand how to go back and assess learning over the last year. Is it the customer experience? And we're trying to figure out how how can we better serve you from a a customer success perspective whatever those might be we need to be proactively going out there and this is what we do gathering feedback collecting that and once again socializing that internally and there's a lot of other mechanisms we have a canvas community that people go share ideas and we we leverage those ideas there's consortiums there's um, events that we run we go do these 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 active listening mode and 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 open sessions that are both proactive and once again, um, open to feedback coming to us. So it's a combination of those things. And then all of that gets processed in a very methodical way within our product organization. Um, They take all that feedback in. We try to address um, those features and, and, and use cases, I should say, that are most common that address all of our users. But we also then try to focus on things that might be more pertinent to this time of, the year or where we are in the world. So, again, last year it was very much about usability, and that's what we prioritized so people could use systems easily. Um, this year, you know, we're looking at assessment. I mentioned that before because we need to be able to assess, we need, we need to help um, faculty assess where learning is at. Um, you know, next year it might be something different. And, and meanwhile, we're working on all of our other aspects of our roadmaps as well. But that's how we overall um approach it a lot of that comes from my group i have my group is over half of our company um it's it's our customer success organization and and we are all out there looking to be advocates for the learner so that they can they can have the best experience possible in whatever collection of technologies that they're using
0: let me ask you this liz and then uh, uh, please take back over sorry if i'm taking up your time elizabeth you'll You'll no, no, later.
1: no. You're good. I, I'm so fascinated by this conversation. So I'm actually, you're actually asking some good questions there, Doctor Salustio. So hey.
0: continue. Every you, once in a while, I'll come up with a good one. You know, you, you may continue. Oh, unless I'm, I'm just, uh, I can't speak. My words are taken from me. It's like the first compliment I've ever received I've a of <laughs> on a recording.
1: This, this is like the second compliment. Oh
2: <laughs> I love it.
0: Um,
1: Melissa, Melissa, Melissa has helped you to actually redeem yourself in my eyes. <laughs>
0: it's only taken a year of podcast episodes. Thank you, Melissa, for for helping. I
1: love it. it. A win for today. I love a it. Win. Absolutely, that's right. I, I,
0: my question is is actually uh, I don't. I think I might know the answer, but I want to see if you'll surprise me. Here, I, I'm wondering if, if, let me think about how I can ask it. The the shift, pivot, whatever you want to call it, to online for a faculty member, aka that customer group, uh, instructor teaching online for the first time, did, they, did you have moments where somebody who's never used Canvas before came up with some crazy idea or looked at the technology as it was and went, well, why do I have to do it this way? Why can't it be done this way? Sometimes when you bring somebody in that doesn't know about something, they, they sort of slap you in the face. And it makes you realize how technical you're being or how deep into detail you're going and you go, okay, wait a minute. You know what? You're right. We could do it that way. And it's so much easier. Did it, did it bring you kind of back to basics a little bit to look at the system as a whole? Because it's easy to chase rabbit holes with technology, right? It's, It's this tweak, that tweak versus how the heck do I use this thing?
2: Yeah. Oh, I love that question as well. Um, it did there there were some surprises but not surprises in a bad way it was to to your description um it was surprises in why are we overcomplicating things and and there are definitely <laughs> there are definitely places where we've done that um uh, you know i think about it's really easy when you build a system to just layer on new feature on top, a new feature on top, a new feature, and then suddenly you've got eight clicks in order to make an assignment. Well, it should be one click to make an assignment um, and a very simple assignment at that. Um, so so things like that, I think, surprised us where customers, where, where our faculty wanted to get to something quicker, or easier, or where our faculty um, Said no, you know what? It's okay. It takes four clicks because I want all of those features. Those features are actually really important to me. So I think we had some surprises there for sure with our with our higher education faculty that um, that had used Canvas for the first time. Some of the others were how you build an ecosystem. Um, I'm I I am a big advocate of there's there's no single solution that's going to solve everything. But what you need to do is have a solution that will allow you to plug in other things effectively. And I think it surfaced this last year and, 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 and faculty using it for the first time, how bad some of those integrations are uh, and that we all as an ed community need to rally around just single signing somebody on into another application is not enough anymore, right? It's, it's not about just passing passing you over to something else and you don't have to remember a password but it's about how do you use that in the context of the system that it started within? So I think we had some surprise moments there around how how important, um, and, and I've always believed this, and, and we knew it was part of our core, core mission at, at Canvas, but it it just surfaced it, that how important it is when you pass somebody from Canvas to Zoom, or you pass somebody from Canvas to a, a, a textbook, an online textbook, or an e-reader, that what that, ex- that experience is actually way more important than we may have thought and that, um, and that there's a lot less tolerance for um, clunkiness in that space. So for sure there were some aha moments um, and they definitely guided us in, in how we ask questions with our customers and how we how we actually watch usage. Um, what what patterns we see in our support team, for example. What patterns do we see when we do a first training with a group of faculty? We definitely look at things a little bit differently uh, in a good way um, in response to those, those few aha moments that we've definitely run into.
0: Okay, now I'm done, Liz. You can come on.
2: Oh, thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, let me
0: get out of the way. <laughs>
1: And I actually want to piggyback on that question because as an instructional designer, one of the things that I find, I get this question all the time, like if I go on a podcast or, you know, we're talking about technology, we're talking about online learning, we're talking about learning management uh, systems, one of the first things that people ask about is the tech, right? So they're always like, what, you know, tech do you recommend? What what um, software, what integration. And I'm always kind of like, keep it simple. So I don't necessarily believe that students or even faculty always want a whole bunch of bells and whistles. However, when we're thinking about features, we're thinking about software, we're thinking about technology. I mean, there's so many different innovations that are out there. We have the artificial intelligence. We have virtual reality. We have so many, so much gamification. When you guys are thinking about the future and what students are going to be asking for, and you're looking at your roadmap and and your strategic plan, what do you see as far as being able to be responsive to the constant, I guess, like noise or chatter about the newest, hottest technologies that need, quote unquote, air quotes, need to be integrated into a platform? Is that something that you guys think about or discuss?
2: Yeah, we certainly do, um, and I, and I think institutions are, are probably having, asking themselves the same question because there's a balance between one system and a hundred systems. There's some good. There's some good balance in there, right? Of how do we deliver? At the end of the day, a really good learning experience, and the learning experience has to lead, not the technology. So if you if you step back and ask yourself, what do we think learning is going to look like in the future? Then we can say, okay, where is where are the gaps in the technology related to what learning is going to look like in the future? Um, and and I think that keeping it simple mantra is so critical in that, um, and that's where when when we think about the future. This is where we think, um, you know, we focus on uh, what 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 changes do we believe our teachers, our faculty members using Canvas will want to make in how they teach, or where is their journey gonna go? And we try to parallel that journey and and similarly with students. So so I'll give you a a couple of examples. Um, you know, I've mentioned a number of times here creating things, making things very simple and very easy. Well, similar to that, you'll see, I do believe there's gonna be a, a, an effectiveness between synchronous and asynchronous now. Online learning is no longer just going to be asynchronous and you do the synchronous stuff in class. Um, and you know, there are innovative institutions out there that have, that have already gone down this journey, but I think this last year and, and, and surfacing it for everyone has, has shoved people now along this journey and a little more, more quickly. So, where does synchronous fit in? Is it Zoom with every bell and whistle, or is it something simple like a chat where people can interact? Is it uh, Slack, you know, where you can have groups and discussions and all sorts of um, uh, notifications and all sorts of things? Because we see some institutions using Slack in, in, in education. Or is it about once again, keeping it very simple and ensuring that there's a way for students to exchange um, meaningfully in a class and to get insights from one another as well as insights from their um, instructor so I think if we look at it from a, a journey where do we think the teaching and learning journey is going then we map it to the technology that's that's at least how we look at it at structure. Um, and you know a couple of things that we do think back to back to my comment about asynchronous and synchronous we do think synchronous is, is going to have a place in learning we're just figuring out exactly how that is in a remote environment and 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 where that needs to fit in beyond what we're already doing Doing today. Um, again, I, I've mentioned assessment before. We think assessment is going to be critical and aligning assessment to continuing to align assessments to outcomes and explicit deliverables or explicit skills or competencies any of that because students are looking to learn something to go apply something it's a it's a it's it's not just a i have my degree anymore at all it's very much about i have these skill sets and this is why i'm going to go be effective wherever i go next after my my institutional experience so so it's some of those patterns that we're seeing and we're trying to figure out how much of that is within Canvas, how much of that do we lean on really great partners or other technologies out there and how much of that to your point, Liz, is just noise. And we need to help our institutions understand rather than try to do everything or please everyone, the idea is to um, uh, focus on the learning and, and making that most effective as opposed as opposed to pleasing everyone with every bell and whistle that they possibly want.
0: If I may here, um, and this is completely unrelated, but I have to tell Liz this and admit this to you, Melissa, reluctantly, If I sound different now, it's because I had forgotten to plug in my microphone this entire time uh, on this episode. So uh, I'm just bringing that up now so that I I don't take too much stuff from Liz on the back end when she goes back to listen to this.
1: But you know, I actually would not have known that if you had not said that because you sound exactly the same to me.
0: Oh, okay, good. Well, that tells you- to me too. (laughs) What a crappy microphone I must have then. I will tell you. Uh, but yeah, so exactly I'm sitting here looking at this cord, like, what is this go? While, while, while you guys are talking, I'm like, what's this cord doing here? <laughs> oh, I'm like, man. Oh, it and should be. you hard. have the
1: audacity to say, I'm tech challenged? Right, you?
0: right. There it is. There it is. Yeah. How yeah.
1: oh, dare
0: so, you. If, if we're. If <laughs> and we're, I
1: told Melissa you had redeemed yourself, <laughs> I take two, it back. <laughs> there's two takeaways yep. from
0: this episode. One, um, never admit when you're wrong. Number two, um, you should have uh, kept that to yourself. I know. If you don't think you can start a podcast, you're wrong because we could do that at the Edip Experience, not even plug our microphones in or not even come off mute when you're on Zoom. So there you go. Dr.
1: Salucio, I am thrown off now because I told Melissa all this. these compliments I gave you now are, I'm going to revoke my compliments from you.
0: Oh, I'm just so disappointed in myself <laughs> Melissa let me ask you let, let me ask you this because uh, this is an important I think this is an important question just in general and and um, uh, I don't want to assume the answer here but what about what about K12 like you know uh, yeah. when I think canva C- Canvas, I think higher education it's where I've always worked. Mm-hmm. it's where Liz has always worked and we're thinking yeah. Canvas canva Can- higher ed higher ed, higher ed you you've uh, must have had, and I know you have to describe the degree, some help that you offered or uh, districts that looked at Canvas to to provide online learner for, for their kids. So can you talk about the K through 12 impact or the impacts that you felt it in instruction?
2: Yeah, you know, the K through 12 not only is it important in thinking about the dramatic changes um, that have happened in the last year in, in K-12, but also it's such an important part of the larger learning equation and what happens in K-12 feeds into higher education and vice versa. And so it all is just, I think of it as all just one really important cycle. So I'm so glad you asked me about, about K-12. Um, you think that last year has been nuts in higher education. Wow, has it been nuts in K-12. The scramble to get online. Oh my gosh. And teachers that had never even remotely touched technology in any way, shape or form. You know, I think about the, just, I think about some of my friends that are incredible third grade teachers, that everything is pretty much in their classroom and everything they do is face-to-face short of some really great experiences on potentially one-to-one devices. Um, because and none of them wanted to become a teacher.
0: No one wanted to become a That's, teacher in K through 12 to be online. They wanted to be in front of kids. That was the yes. entire, entire point, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. And that's they feed off of that, right? It's like they just, it's, it's, and it's amazing to watch. I am, I am always blown away by elementary school, all K 12 teachers. In fact, I started my career for a couple of years, I was a high school teacher. And I think back, I mean, that so much of it was about your presence. So how do you, so not only do we have all these teachers figuring out how to go online and their districts are figuring out, they don't have district technology staff, how do we get this thing up and running? But they're also trying to figure out how do I be me in that space? How do I have my personality? How do I excite my students the way I do in person? And so it's been for K-12 an even bigger shift, I think, in a lot of ways. And and in that, we've learned a lot, once again, about what we need to do with our platform, where we need to go and how we actually need to support K-12. It's it's a large portion of our our customer base. It's an important portion of our customer base. And we wanna continue to serve that effectively. So so I'll say a a couple of things that that we uncovered. One, the, the comment you made earlier Liz about keeping it simple wow is that even more important in k-12 um and and we had a lot of teachers coach other teachers and we coached teachers around this too where do one thing at a time one simple thing at a time help your students again fail and understand it's okay to fail you're gonna fail in, invest in your students being collaborative and facilitating the learning right alongside you because they may have more technology experience than you do and then um thinking about what is what is like stepping back and reflecting on what do I teach and why do I teach it the way I teach what is the underlying either pedagogy behind what I'm doing or what are the underlying what's my underlying philosophy what do what do I believe in as a teacher and in that um I think we've seen some just incredible talk about breakthrough moments incredible breakthrough moments for teachers that never realized they they had superpowers in in ways that were just impacting kids. And there was never an opportunity to see that or never realized that their kids had superpowers and that uh, they could leverage those superpowers and make an even better learning experience. So, we've learned a ton in K 12 and we've done a ton to um, not only from how we support our customers and, and, and transition them into the online space, but from a product perspective. We're, we're actively working right now on some very specific views for K through five, for example, because what K through five needs is different than, than what seven through 12 needs and different than what higher education needs, especially for kids just learning to read and kids very used to virtual exper- or, or visual experiences. We've also launched something called Master Review Assessments, and this is a way to um, uh, assess students' learning um, in, a, in a formative, uh, proactive way so that you can then go make changes in your learning experiences for your kids um, pretty quickly and pretty effectively as you're working through a, a particular semester. So we've learned a ton, and boy has the space learned a ton. And it's been awesome and so rewarding to watch their journey.
0: Liz, you want to give her the final two?
2: Yeah, this has been a
1: fascinating conversation. I feel like we could talk for like another hour and I would just be still so involved by everything that you're saying, Melissa. This has been really insightful and we thank you for everything that you've offered us as far as some of this knowledge and just insight and, and just strategy. And I, I love that you come with this background of being in the online classroom because I think that also brings another dynamic that is really valuable. So we thank you for everything that you've offered us today and our listeners as well. We want to wrap up just by asking the last couple of questions, which would be Is there anything that we missed, anything that we didn't mention or talk about when it comes to instruction and things you're doing with Canvas, LMS, and and any innovation or initiatives that perhaps you wanted to um, share with us? And then the last question is, what do you see as the future for higher education?
2: Oh, thank you. And before I before I answer those two questions, I, I just have to say I'm a little bit of a fangirl and thank you for inviting me. Um, as I've listened to some of your your previous guests, you've you've got powerhouses on this on this podcast. And I learned a ton from from the folks that I listen to. And and thank you for including me in that group and helping me learn from others. So had to say that. Um to okay, answer your you. two questions. You. Oh yeah. To answer your two questions, um, I think you know honestly we're always trying to innovate. And if I had to, if I had to leave with one thing that that um, I've mentioned that maybe I can reiterate is that we want to hear from our customers. We want to have a partnership with the education space. So um, I, you know this is this is probably nuts and probably not what normal people do, but my email is Melissa at instructor.com and I would love the feedback. Um, I welcome it all. I can tell you faculty members, uh, teachers that email me and they're like, you're gonna answer my email and you're gonna have this exchange with me. And wow, this is this is this is awesome. I just want to share my feedback. And I just think back similar to this podcast, I'm so humbled by people giving us that feedback and taking the time to do that because that's how we will all change together. So Please, I welcome feedback. I, I am so grateful for it. And for the future of higher education, my big thing, I think, is that this last year, higher education was given permission to take risks more than it's ever been before. And, and I said earlier, um, you know, I, I taught for 25 years. I've also run ed tech teams at a couple of different universities. And um, there's always so much scrutiny on the decisions that you make and you know you have to be very careful in the past you had to be very careful about the risks you took unless you were at a very progressive very innovative institution and i think that's all gone out the window and i hope that and i and i and i plead to administrators and staff and faculty and students to let's keep this going let's keep taking risks together let's keep being willing to fail fail fast learn and grow together because we can make a huge difference in what learning looks like if we get out of our own way.
0: Wow, well said. I um, I guarantee you, to Liz's point, we could do this for another hour. I've got a million more questions, which means you'll have to come back after a while, Melissa, when when we get through when we get totally through the pandemic and things hopefully are disrupted the way they need to be. I'd, we'd love to have you back to talk about how. Instructure continues to innovate if you're open to it.
2: Oh, I would be honored. Thank you.
0: Hey, everybody, we hope you enjoyed that episode of the Edup Experience. To learn more about the Edup Experience, please visit our website at www.edipexperience.com and subscribe to our email list. Please share this podcast, head over to Apple. And please give us a rating and review. We appreciate your feedback. And of course, subscribe to the Edup Experience so you're notified when our episodes drop. Here at the Edup Experience, our goal is to make education your business. Thanks for listening.